Hi, John, Megan, and Dina. This is Kimmy. I love your podcast. I was wondering what your guys' favorite foreign language movies are. I love subtitles. I love seeing horror from around the world. So let me know. And by the way, I love Patrick Wilson, and I love Leather Daddies. Thanks so much for all you do. Hey, I'm Regina from the Twin Cities. Um, Zena lately t- touched on the topic that I wanted to ask about, and I was hoping you could kind of expand on it. I absolutely love the Asian horror genre, and I'm not the only one, because a lot of people make Asian horror movies um, into English-speaking versions. I was wondering what your feelings were on the topic, and if you had any Asian horror movie recommendations or favorites. Thanks. Bye. Okay, everyone. First and foremost, you didn't hear that wrong. I did play two calls back-to-back. That wasn't a mistake. As you listen to the calls, it's kind of the same subject so instead of retreading the tire and so i can actually participate in this conversation i have opted for us to actually answer the questions at the same time because thank you kimmy the question is about foreign language horror movies and i don't know anything outside of the united states and asia (laughs) so i'm gonna lean on xena and megan very heavily on this one and Megan is going to lean on the handheld recorder that she's using this week yes. instead of her normal mic. So yes. just so you know, that's what that sound is. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And we'll fix it for next week. <laughs> so, Zena and Megan, what are your favorite foreign language movies, not Asian? Okay, can, can I go first? Yes, go first. Please. Okay, I'm so excited. I <laughs> love foreign horror movies. I love them so much. They just give me life. Um, okay, so... I, I could just tell you just my favorites. Okay, the first one, Veronica from 2017. It's available on Netflix. It rocked my existence. It makes me <laughs> want to go do a seance, but I won't. Also, um, it's from Spain. Then another one is called Loose, I believe, and it's on uh, Shutter, and it's from Germany, and it's actually a student film, and it's like demonic and stuff. It's just uh, <laughs> another great one. And then, of course, I have to mention the South Korean A Tale of Two Sisters from 2003. No, no. It's Asian. No. Yeah. We'll get to that. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said not I, Asian. I, listen, I, I got said... excited, okay? Now I just feel like ripping off my headphones and running out of here. No, no, no. Well, I got excited because I forgot that I enjoyed the French horror movie Raw and High Tension. There so you I go. I thought of two that weren't off the okay, uh, any well, Asian cu- countries. Okay. Well, okay. Well, can I finish? I do have other ones. That's not Asian. Yes. Oh, yes. Go. <laughs> okay. So this one's from Turkey and it's called Baskin from 2015. Oh, yeah. Oh, Baskin. Yes. That's that one's one really messy. And then another one from Germany uh, called Anatomy from 2000. Yes. Oh, my God. I like that one, too. And then um, just the last one, it's from Russia, and it's called The Bride from 2017. I have not watched that one yet. I need to. Good stuff. Nice. Okay, Megan, what are yours? All right. I could spend hours on this topic, so I tried to condense and give, like, an eclectic overview of my tastes. So, obviously, the Wreck series. Yes. I loved them. The the first three, especially. Uh, Argentina. Argentina. Yes. Terrified. That's also on Shutter. That's always a requisite. Mm, like anytime so somebody wants, what's the scariest movie? That one. Uh, the Orphanage. Um, the Lore from Poland. Revenge. Oh, yeah. uh, this one comes with a huge kind of content warning, but the Golden Glove. Uh, it's grittier and grosser than Henry Portrait of the Serial Killer, but it's also in the same Ooh. vein as that. So that is definitely not going to be for everyone. It's bleak, but it's so well done. Um, Inside from France, uh, mm-hmm. The Devil's Backbone, Day of the Beast from Spain, and The Platform, which is on Netflix right now. So mm-hmm. I went all over the map. Uh, international mm-hmm. horror is kind of where it's at, really. It is. So yeah, I'm equal parts proud and embarrassed that I didn't think of several of the movies that you listed. <laughs> You're more well versed than you thought. Well, and I got really excited for the Asian horror yeah. movie question. Yeah, I really love Asian horror movies. Well, there you go. So, so we're gonna thank Regina from the Twin Cities. Thank you for representing Minnesota as the temperature plunges to 30 degrees here, <laughs> for real this time, evidently. Uh, and Asian horror movies. What are our favorite Asian horror movies? I'm going to start. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm sure you guys are going to name so many more. <laughs> I'm excited. I want to participate. Okay, so, participate. So first and foremost, I Saw the Devil. 
Yes. Which I think is on Amazon or Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Eye, which is the original that got remade with the Lindsay, I think, was it Lindsay Lohan or? uh, Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba. Okay. Uh, Ringu, which the ring was based off of. Uh, Juan, The Grudge, which The Grudge was based off of. Audition, which Mm -hmm. I can't imagine us ever remaking that one. Uh, Host, which is phenomenal. Uh, I believe Host is on Amazon right now. The Host. Um, We're talking about like the Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, the sorry, The Host. Yes, not Host on show. Like Host is having a whole other. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep, The Host. Got Um, it. And then uh, Gonjiam, Hunt of the Asylum, which I recently saw uh, on Amazon. And Norai, The the Curse, which is also on Shudder, which I just watched. And they're both really good. I'll talk about them on future episodes. Sounds good. What did I miss? Okay, no, no. All right. Well, now I'm going to mention A Tale of Two Sisters from 2003. <laughs> <laughs> from 2003. That one's a lot of fun. Um, I'll skip this one because I know that Megan has this one. But um, another mm. one, White Melody of Death from 2011, about this girl mm. band group who steals a song and then they all die. So... Um, (laughs) and then, uh, Lotta Land from 2011 about this family that moves into this upscale, like housing development and houses are gorgeous, but you know, there's something terrifying going on. Naturally. Of course. This one, um, another one, uh, the red shoes or red shoes, you know, that one, Mm. I mean, cause honestly, if I saw a pair of shoes and they were nice, I'd probably take them too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and they fit. So... Um, and then also this one, it's not a, it's not a movie, but, um, I really like, and I spoke to you guys about this previously, um, the series typewriter, uh, it's a mini series. There's only mm. five episodes and it's available on Netflix, short and sweet. So we need to watch it. Yeah. Yes. What about you, Megan? All right. Wild Zero is one of my longtime favorites and somebody needs to do a proper like blu-ray release for that one that was it's a japanese zombie horror but it's like a horror comedy it stars the band guitar wolf and it's just so over the top fun um and nobody ever talks about it and i wish they would because i love this movie uh (laughs) shutter the original shutter not the 2008 american remake Mm -hmm. um that one's super creepy three extremes Mm -hmm. covers three different countries in with this anthology dream home which i'm pretty sure is xena's favorite that one is is super violent super clever slasher kind of pro different spin on a slasher Mm -hmm. um the wailing i feel like is a more recent favorite from south korea suicide club will give you a nice intro to sion sono um satan slaves from (laughs) indonesia i really think indonesian horror is having a serious moment right now that i want to give major props to because it's like impedagore uh made the devil take you made the devil take you too Mm -hmm. satan slaves i don't think the queen of black magic has hit shutter yet or maybe it has it's it's about to but all of these are from indonesia and they're all like super violent gory creepy i love it so more indonesia horror please so yeah that's that's what I have on my list. And then one cut of the dead, not necessarily horror, but horror adjacent, is phenomenal. It, yeah. And, and I would say I I would consider old boy to be horror. I know people might not call it that. See, I definitely think it is. I I would like to, but there's like a whole. I again, this these two questions I could go off on hours and hours. And South Korean cinema, like the witch subversion, I think I mentioned a few episodes back, which is on Netflix, also toes that line between like genre and action and thrillers. So yeah, lots, lots. There's a whole treasure trove out there, people. Just email us and we'll get you the list because I think you've got some options now. I yeah, hope, tons. I hope it's enough. It's at least enough to get you through like Christmas. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic, and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. That is the sound of a handheld recorder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. <laughs> if you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week has been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick around the table of the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. 
And if you need it, hopefully there'll be things that'll make you smile too. Zeno has been filling your heart this week. Happy to report that I finally checked out The Wretched on Hulu from 2019. Uh, a disobedient teenage boy struggling with his parents' divorce faces with an old witch who has possessed the neighbor next door. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's funny. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's been on my, my list for a while to check out. So I'm really glad that I finally, you know, really checked it out because it's a lot of fun. I feel like it's a very effective, independent horror and I really mm. love supporting independent horror movies. I say, like, from the opening scene, it, like, sets the tone of what to expect. And I love witches. Witches are my jam. So seeing this witch just pick people off one by one, I mean, it brought me joy. But then I'm like, hey, why am I happy, you know? But, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make me a, a monster. But, yeah, it's uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun to see. Um, just to watch. And I'd say that this is like a mix of like between like original Fright Night and Disturbia. So yeah. if that's, you know, yeah, if that's up your alley, you may want to check it out. It's been on Hulu for a while, I think since like the summer. So that was the first thing. Uh, second thing, I checked out Bruiser on Tubi from 2000. After years mm. of being bullied by others and cheated on by his wife, a man awakens to find his face has been replaced by a blank white mask. But then naturally, he goes on a rampage killing people. Because what else do you do when your face is replaced? Exactly. You might as well. I, <laughs> I really enjoyed this one. Like, I would always see the poster, but I would never hear, I've never heard anything really about it until I looked it up and I saw that it had, like, a mixed review, you know, mixed reviews and stuff like that. So this is a George Romero movie. And I love the fact that he created a villain kind of similar to his movie Martin. But I ended up caring about, you know, this character. I was kind of rooting him on, you know, like it's this is not a gory George Romero movie, but I felt that it was entertaining. But at the same time, I can't even though he's going after these people who was like bullying him and treating him horribly. Um, it's not just a revenge horror movie. I mean, it has that in it, but it's more than that. I feel like it's like a mixture of like a thriller, a slasher, in some ways a monster you know, horror, because even though he's doing all these horrible, th horrible things, I felt like, I felt that just because of the way he was treated, this is what it turned him, what it turned him into. Um, and again, I am, me and John, we were actually talking about this before we started recording. I, I know that he, when he checked it out, he wasn't like a big fan of it. Right? No. And, and I love Jason Fleming. I love George Romero. I, like I, I explained to Zena, I watched this, I believe, when I was sleep deprived with my first child at like <laughs> four o'clock in the morning. So this, I'm not yeah. going to be in a great headspace. And it was and it was before I I believe it was before I had seen the Evil Dead remake. So I was still kind of a crappy human being. <laughs> and so my bigger issue with this, it, it wasn't the acting or, or mm -hmm. anything like that. It was more the editing. The editing was really jarring for me, so it's I kind of feel like I need to go back and give it another shot. I I do have a question, John. Is that your your bar? It's like everything pre accepting Evil Dead remake is bad, John. Everything after <laughs> is good, John. Uh, no, because I think I still had a gray period after okay. that too. You're st uh, I I don't think good John started in like until like 2016, 2017. <laughs> John yeah. is still very new. <laughs> Got it. Oh, he, oh yeah. I'm still learning to walk. I'm newborn. <laughs> Aw, you're Bambi. But I'm real. But I'm happy about it. I enjoy being happy, John, and not troll John, who's mad that people keep making remakes. <laughs> oh, this affects my life somehow. No, it doesn't. Don't watch it. Settle down. Settle down. Yeah. Oh, you like and horror, I'm, Bambi. And I'll get into that when I get to my movies for this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. But anyway. Um, I, I did enjoy it, and I, I do think that maybe it was a little bit before its time, because even when I think about the way it was promoted, I remember back then, I remember seeing some posters for it, but not really a lot. So yeah. it's just crazy, because obviously, I feel like if it came out like now with like streaming and Netflix and Redbox and all this stuff available, obviously it would do a whole lot better. Um, I just feel like that character alone, he's pretty awesome. Also, the Misfits, they perform. You know, so yeah, that doesn't convince you. But yeah, that's the selling point right there. <laughs> Not anything yeah. else, just the misfits. There you go. But yeah, <laughs> if you do plan on checking this one out, I recommend skipping the trailer if you have not seen it and just watch it. So what about you, Megan? 
I was doing some research on uh, noir because it's noir member for a lot of cinephiles. You know, they go through, they dedicate their month to watching noir movies. But I am a horror fan, so I was kind of trying to figure out what's at the crossroads of horror and noir. And discovered The Seventh Victim. Uh, that is from 1943. It's on the Criterion channel. And the plot is... See, I hate to even say this plot. This plot is listed on IMDb, but I feel like it takes a while to build to this. But So I'm just going to abbreviate it. Essentially, a sister, she's going to school and discovers that her tuition hasn't been paid in months because her sister's responsible for that and her sister goes missing. So she embarks on this uh, investigation. She's trying to find out what happened to her sister. And IMDB gives that away, I think, Um, (laughs) because it's... I ran into that this week, too. Yeah, it's like a really short, it's 1943, so it's old, and it's like an hour and ten minutes. It's a really short movie, Um, and it's produced by Val Luton, who did Cat People. He's well-known for a lot of horror movies of of that era. Um, It's the directorial debut of Mark Robson. He previously had edited Cat People and I Walk with the Zombie. Um, This is very noir. The horror doesn't quite come into play until much later um, for an hour and 10-minute runtime. But it's super, super bleak. Critics did not like it at the time. I don't think audiences probably liked it because it's very nihilistic, especially with what happens to one of the main characters. Mm. I liked it. I really like kind of old timey discoveries like this. Like I had never seen it. I'm familiar with Val Luton to an extent. I like cat people. I like a lot of what he does, but I had never, never had any familiarity with this movie. So I really liked it. Um, I definitely feel like that's a good start to noir member for anybody that wants to participate. Um, and then I checked out mimic the it's on. Yeah. I, I, hadn't seen it in a while and for some reason I had a wild hair up my bum to revisit the trilogy and I say revisit because I can't remember if I'd ever seen part two before and I definitely hadn't seen part three so I started with part one that's on Pluto came out in 97 and if you aren't familiar with Mimic um Three years prior to the start of the film, entomologist Dr. Susan Tyler genetically created an insect of cockroaches that would kill a disease. And they were supposed to be bred to where they would die out on their own. This virus would be wiped out and they would die. Problem solved. Except they didn't. They evolved and developed the ability to look like their predator, which is man, and they're seeking to kill him. Um, So I like this one. I know it has so many problems behind the scenes. Like this was Guillermo del Toro's first studio-backed films after he did Kronos. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was produced by the Weinsteins, who are scum. And naturally, he had a very bad time making this movie, uh, particularly Bob Weinstein, who kept pushing and pushing. It's not scary enough. It's not commercially horror enough, which was not really the vision that Guillermo del Toro was going for. Bob Weinstein actively worked to get him fired off of the project until Mira Savino had to actually step in and, like, no, let him do this. So... You know, this wasn't the final cut that Del Toro wanted um, because Weinstein was adamant that he have the control to release the final cut. And I think now you can actually go back and see the director's cut, which is way more in line with what he was going for, you know, because Del Toro's stuff is never outright horror. It's just kind of horror language to to supplement his, his stories. But all of that said, I like it. I still like it. I think he did a good job with what the hand he was dealt. And, you know, I don't know. I like it. I remember seeing this one in the theaters uh, when I kind of rediscovered my, like, horror fandom in yeah. high school. So I can date myself right now. And uh, I remember being just fine. Like, I, again, I wasn't a huge horror fan going into it by any means. But, you know, it's like the weekend your friends are going out to a movie and like, mm-hmm. what should we watch? And we're like, I don't know. Like we've seen whatever else is in the theater. So like, let's go see Mimic. And I was confused as shit through a <laughs> lot of it because I didn't know, know what was going on going into it. But I mean, again, it was, it, it was Kimo del Toro. So if nothing else, it's also just a, a very good looking horror movie. Like it's a very well shot horror movie. 
I mean, it's a weird concept, but I think it works. Yeah. Isn't Gabriel Byrne in it too? No. Jeremy, I think it's Jeremy Northam. Is that it? Um, obviously, Mira Sorvino. Josh Brolin is in it for a little bit. Um, I think Charles Dunn. Charles something. Uh, Durnham. Dunham. I don't have the name in front of me, so cut that out. But yeah, jo- Gabriel Byrne is not in it. See, I have to try and figure out what the hell I'm thinking of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're thinking of a totally different movie. He's oh, like, sure. yeah, I yeah. like that movie. And then he goes to watch Mimic and no. But yeah. So And then I watched the remake of Old Boy somehow. Somehow that's in my head. <laughs> I don't want it in my head either. <laughs> I want to not think about it. So yeah, that's what I watched. What did you watch, John? I see you have a theme here. <laughs> I do have a theme. And I'm gonna stop looking at my phone to see if he's in Mimic. You're right, it's not. Or any of the sequels. I was thinking maybe it was Mimic too, I don't know. No. Uh, yes, I went. I went theme style this week. Um, I last week was enough of an issue to not. <laughs> I, I just wanted to turn stuff on that made me feel good. Yeah, and understandable. One of the things I did to turn on make me feel good is one of my favorite other podcasts called "My Neighbors Are Dead," and the guy who was on that they were doing uh, Overlord. Basically, it was a guy, another guy who was a soldier in the troop that in the plane, whatever people who have seen it, you'll understand. Um, but it made me think like I originally started watching Overlord on a flight like for work one time. And I only got like halfway through some horrible at sitting on planes and watching movies. I I'd bounce between them all the time. OK, so I was like, OK, I need to give it a shot. It kept popping up on Amazon. So I finally turned it on. On the eve of the D-Day invasion, several American soldiers are dropped behind enemy lines to destroy a critical radio tower only to discover secret Nazi experiments. First and foremost, I think it's super weird while nobody else can see this, that secret Nazi experiments is hyperlinked because I pulled this off of <laughs> Wikipedia and now I kind of just want to click on it. No. You should. But you should. I'm surprised you I did it. I do. Kind of don't. I didn't realize it at first. Um... So yes, rewatch this one on Amazon. I really enjoyed this. I, as much as I remember not necessarily liking it on the flight, maybe it's because it's like a seven-inch screen. I don't know. <laughs> I, with with the exception of some manufactured tension within yeah. the soldiers, which I I don't like manufactured tension. Like tension can exist, but it's like, yeah, I get it. You're gonna hate each other, and then you're gonna like each other, and it's, <laughs> ah, it's gonna be everyone's gonna be happy. It's like that. Nah, you didn't have to do it. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it even more knowing that there was potentially rumors that this would be a part of the Cloverfield universe. Oh, yeah, I remember those and rumors way back when. Now, so for people who have seen it, you might be able to picture how that's a possibility, mm-hmm. kind of, but at the same time, it makes me enjoy it that much more <laughs> that they just did a standalone with it. Because you've got and, a canon in your head for this movie now, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, and I didn't realize that that was Kurt Russell's son. Oh, in, yeah. In, uh, but now you can't unsee it. Yeah, because I was looking at him. I'm like, who is that? Who is that guy? And then I was on Amazon, so I scrolled my mouth and, or my mouse, and it was like, is, is Kurt Russell's son? I was like, oh, my God, he looks just like his dad. That's crazy. Um, but, again, it's – so this felt so much like like a grindhouse exploitation movie to me. Yeah. Like the way it was filmed, it felt like they were doing like a 70s World War II exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that because that's like that's a really difficult like feel to capture. And if that's what they were going for, I think it was because they they nailed it pretty well for me. <laughs> but I enjoyed it like kind of beginning to end the acting performances, the just the horror itself. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a. I think it's a really solid movie that I actually kind of want to watch again now through maybe quote-unquote critical eye. But, no, I thought it was great. What does that even mean, quote-unquote critical eye? (laughs) Uh, Well, because I'm not going to be a jerk about it, but I I might, but, like, actually, like, sit down and, like, give it, like, my full attention, like... Oh, okay. Because, again, a lot of the stuff I watch is, at, at most, I'm watching it 90%. Like I'm listening to it. I got you. I got. I'm just ribbing you because of the quote unquote. Yeah, 
my my version of a critical eye, which is still pretty lax. I gotcha. Good tell. Okay, and then love this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said no, it like that. No, that, it's so good. It is. I love how they mix like the zombies with the Nazis and. You know, it's just a splatter fest, you know, and I love the even like the buildup. Take some time, you know, but it's so worth it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that because I didn't commit the first time I was watching it, that's why it it just didn't resonate with me. You do have to be patient. You have to give it a solid like 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. If you don't, then yeah, I get it. So, okay. So that got started to get me thinking i'm like well this isn't a classic it's not a slasher but i really like it and i want to talk about it so for my manufactured themes that nobody told me that i had to do anyway i just decided to start doing i started thinking about okay like world war ii type movies and then the first thing that popped into my mind or my mind is then i'm saying oh i can say on format and if frankenstein's army is available and Frankenstein's Army is a found footage movie, and it is available on Amazon. It's from 2013. Soviet troops invading Germany encounter undead mechanical monsters created by a mad scientist descended from Victor Frankenstein. And that's it. Like, I'm <laughs> kind of spoilers? Probably shouldn't oh. be. Uh, because, like, you don't realize that the guy is descended from Frankenstein until later, but the title of the movie is Frankenstein's Army. So there. if you can, if you even look at the cover box of this, it's like, okay. It sums it all up. It shows a mechanical monster wearing a Nazi helmet and it's called Frankenstein's Army. Yeah. And this one really gets to me. Like you can't analyze it too much because I don't believe for a second that the footage we're seeing is something that was captured during World War II with such exquisite picture and sound. But if but, they did, it would be disappointing because then you would not get to terrible. see. Yeah. Yeah, any any of what's going on. This messes with me on so many levels cuz I'm not a body horror guy. Ah. And so the idea that these people's bodies are just being just basically mutated into just <laughs> into mechanical monstrosities. I don't know why that term came into my head and it sounded ridiculous as I was thinking about <laughs> it, but it's, it's appropriate. <laughs> because like it's that weird, it's that jerky, weird motion, like the the like the rollers in Return to Oz. Oh like, yeah. Their bodies are humanoid, but they're wrong. Like it, it it messes with me. What's that called? Like the Uncanny Valley? Yes. Like when you see like motion capture films like Beowulf or Polar Express. When they're like, like too people... close to looking like humans, but not yeah. enough. So it actually like creates anxiety in the viewer's yeah. head because like your mind isn't able to actually follow what's happening. That's what this does for me. Like it's a really good phone footage movie. I've seen it four or five times, but it like... It's not a scary movie, per se. I wouldn't actually call it scary if you're not bothered by body horror or anything like this. Mm -hmm. But it's so unsettling. Like, the actual, the nature of what's happened to these people and what they've become and everything else is just, oh, God, it gets me. It's really, I really like it as far as found footage. And I feel like it's one you don't hear people talk about very much. But in the vein of World War II, it totally works. <laughs> Good deal. Okay, and last one. Couldn't think of another World War II movie that I wanted to watch that was horror-related or that was available on Amazon or Netflix or anything. So one popped into my head, could not remember the name of it. It was a World War I movie that was a horror movie. I remembered people talking about this a few years ago, and I totally forgot what it was, so I Googled Trench 11, and I was correct. Again, also on Amazon. Near the end of the First World War, a group of Allied soldiers are sent to investigate a secret German bunker and discover the horrors that lay beneath it. So at this point, I had watched Nazis' experiments in two movies in a row. So granted, it's World War I, it's pre-Nazi Kaiser Germans, but it's still got to be a little bit much. <laughs> like, I started to weigh on me a little bit. Oh, boy. <laughs> that said, I... And this actually comes back to what I was saying about people who are complaining about remakes. I would love to see more World War I horror movies. Because World War I, by its very nature, is pure horror. 
trench warfare and mustard gas and the rats. And if you've ever read All Quiet on the Western Front, like just the idea of what the soldiers went through is bad enough. But then when you're adding tunnels into this equation, like the the, it's interesting because they're. Isn't there a horror movie that's like that? I feel like there is like a, a trench like horror, yeah, like called Outpost. Trench 11. What is yeah, but I mean like Outpost. Isn't there a movie called okay. Outpost? It, it could be because I feel like there was another one that kind of had like a zombie twist on it. Like there, I think I Outpost like I might be a trailer for. similar to this one. Uh, like plot setup wise anyways, not necessarily execution right now. Yeah, but I want to and I want to check that out, too. But I think the issue is, is I'm guessing World War One horror movies don't make any money. I mean, I yeah, looked it Nazis up Over- are bad. Well, and Overlord barely made the money back. Overlord's budget was like 35 and I think it made like 41. And so I'm sure that's not going to I'm not going to get more World War One horror movies, but I really liked it. it. It wasn't like super big budget. And the idea, like I said, I'd already watched two Nazi experimentation movies back to back. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming. Uh, but I really enjoyed it to the point where I thought it was too short. Well, which, that's a good thing. Yeah, because I felt like there was so much more they could have gone into, like especially with a tunneler who had been trapped underground. But and he's most of these soldiers have clearly seen too much. So maybe dealing more with the trauma aspect of it. Like, I feel like the movie could have been longer. Like they could have gone way more into it, but they stay very plot focused through most of it. I'm surprised you didn't watch blood vessel. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I did. I'm, I'm halfway through it. Oh, okay. I just couldn't talk about it because I'm halfway through it. Fair. <laughs> so next week. I'm to the, I'm to the, no, I can't, I guess I can't say anything. Yeah, don't spoil it. It just hit shutter. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm we'll, we'll hear your report I'll, next time. Unless I didn't like it. And then we'll, we'll just gloss over it and I'll have another theme. <laughs> you heard nothing. Lola. <laughs> exactly. But like, but that's kind of like what I was saying about remakes is people are complaining about remakes and like uh, Jordan Peele doing the orphan under the, or the uh, producing the people under the stairs. Yeah. Oh my God. Why are they doing another remake? Because that's how they're making money. Mm-hmm. Like, does it suck a little bit? Sure. Like, I sure. wish that there could be a lot more original horror plots being presented to studios and studios being interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. But my argument is our audiences have nobody to blame but themselves in that mm-hmm. aspect. Totally because agree. if you're not supporting original horror, then they're getting a clear message what sells and what doesn't. Exactly. But also I would argue the case for remakes is that it works to introduce younger audiences Mm -hmm. to the original like i'm thinking back to did i ever see the thing before 1982 is a thing no did i see the original blob before i saw 88's blob no but guess Mm -hmm. what that was a gateway into those older versions right well and exactly and let's not pretend like remakes can never be better or do something different completely that sets itself so far removed that mm -hmm. you know people need to let Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say there's room at the table for all of it as far as I'm concerned. More horror, the better. I agree. And then kind of like what you said earlier, John, if you don't want to see it, don't watch it. Yeah. Exactly. Let go of this idea that your childhood is being ruined. Mm -hmm. You already lived your childhood. It's over. <laughs> I know you no, wish it wasn't. Mr. I'm a child at heart. Your childhood can live on as, as much as you want it to. But oh, I see my adulthood is so much better than my childhood. It's oh. <laughs> a very you, dark Dad, statement. If you ever listen to this. <laughs> well, no, but it took me a long time to actually feel comfortable. Like, I mean, some people feel that as a child. It, Fair. I didn't feel that till I was an adult. Mm-hmm. Fair. So, and being able to talk about for that for the one person on twitter who's going to feel left out if i don't mention hell house llc (laughs) take a shot everybody listening at home take a shot he mentioned it that i can feel comfortable and happy just talking about whatever i like like i don't feel like somebody might have just been like oh my god you said you've watched frankenstein's army four times you suck like okay (laughs) It doesn't bother me. Like, I like what I like. And that's a really liberating thing. And, like, that's kind of the purpose behind our podcast, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sharing the things we love about it because 
just let that other stuff go. There's so many harder things to deal with in life than arguing about horror movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, crazy. debating horrors is not a bad way to pass time, but depending on how you go about it is what yeah. you're saying. Right. It's it's all about how you're framing it. I have no yeah. problem arguing merits of one movie versus another or... Oh, I, 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 I liked this more than another, as long as it doesn't turn into just a shouting match where yeah. the other person's stupid. It's mm-hmm. like, just settle down. <laughs> and what's okay. crazy is, even with this conversation that we're having right now, I started to notice people don't like that you have that conversation because then they feel like, well, I have the right to my opinion. And it's just like, we, well, yeah, oh, that's yeah. not what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I've even seen those responses lately where someone's like, you know what, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. It doesn't affect you. It does affect me because I have to, and then fill in the blank with whatever, uh, I'm sorry, whatever stupid answer you want. It's like, no, it doesn't actually affect you when a studio and actors do their jobs and create a horror movie. Right. Just because it's a remake doesn't matter. <laughs> even if it's a bad remake. Frankly, that's even better for you. Good for you. Then you can point at the original that you love so much. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's so strange that you just think like, like, like the, when Candyman finally comes out, whenever it finally comes out, like, it's not going to be amazing. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I know you don't need to assume <laughs> how a movie's going to be in advance, but come on. Like, just from the trailers alone, unless they're the most impeccably cut trailers of all time, it's going to be pretty great. You know, so it's just, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, people, I know that people like to, uh, I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I think it's I think it's a good conversation. Oh. No, I'm going to start, well, see, then I'd start going down a hole of, like, whatever. We don't want to talk about holes. Be happy. Or, yes, let's be happy. Let's not talk about, like, spiders going into eye holes and stuff like that. <laughs> spiders that, you know, and eye Zevin, holes. She's and totally leather daddies. Yeah, it's amazing daddy. the number of times I have to cut that conversation out of this podcast. You guys don't even understand what Megan's Megan. really like. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. Megan, what's going on? All the leather daddies. No, 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 no leather daddies. Um, so Isabel Fuhrman is set to star in the prequel Orphan First Kill. Interesting. I don't know if you guys are fans of 2009's yes. Orphan. I liked it. Love I it. liked it. Um, but it's interesting because she's now 23. And this is a mm. prequel set before 2009's <laughs> film. So she's no longer. That, that was what? 11, 10 years ago? Yeah, she. 11, yeah. she yeah. So, you know, she was she was literally a child filming that movie. So mm-hmm. how is she now a young adult so i'll get to that so william brent bell he directed the boy franchise he's already shooting this prequel in winnipeg um in order to help fearman bring her character to life again they're reporting that they're utilizing a combination of forced perspective and world-class makeup to make her look like 40 year old trapped in a nine-year-old's body or however old esther is supposed to be so the plot is lena clammer orchestrates a brilliant escape from an esotonian psychiatric facility and travels to america by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family but lena's new life as esther comes with unexpected recall that pits her against a mother who will protect her family at any cost so so far it sounds a lot like the original's plot too. Mm-hmm. Um, Julia Stiles is also set to star. So I don't know. I'm I'm very intrigued by this whole concept of of her playing herself like but now she's older and forced perspective being a thing that they cited as as how they're handling the the market age difference between the original and this prequel story. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I think that it's possible because I mean, um, yeah. she in the first, well, the regular orphan, she's actually 33, right? Right. Okay. 33. So if they're going to do it, like, say, like 10 years beforehand, then the real Isabel, she's 23. So I think it can True, work. but she might look a lot older than right. she did 10 years ago. So and I don't know. Because I think about even with the makeup, when she was having like a meltdown, when she was trying to get with that old dude. 
And like, <laughs> she, she like wiped it off her face. She just looked a mess. And obviously she looked yes. older. So I don't know. I, I think I think they're going to make it work. I'm really excited yeah. about this. I really, really loved the movie. Because at first, sometimes when I see like little kids in horror movies and they're acting a mess and like acting crazy, I'm just like, okay, you are the adult. You are bigger than them. Do something. But no, yeah. she's a whole grown woman. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just cool. I mean, are they just going to try doing de-aging? honor no that's what i'm saying like they're they're relying on makeup and force perspective in their shots to make her seem like you know still a 12 year old so we'll see it's very curious go for it yeah yeah i think that sure let's see what happens i hope it works yeah i mean we shall see it opens up a lot of possibilities for actors and actresses in the future as opposed to well, you're 10 years older. You can't do this role anymore. Well, see you later. The magic of movies. Exactly. Uh, today, well, I guess this will have been Monday when this airs, but uh, Universal sets the date for Jordan Peele's new horror movie. So about a year ago, Universal Pictures announced a five-year exclusive production partnership with Jordan Peele and his company Monkey Paw Productions with um, Jordan Peele's supposed to direct. Um and they announced today the release for one of them, which will be his third directorial effort. The movie has no title right now, but it is set for release uh, July 22nd, 2022. So there are no oh, plot details, no title. Really cutting it's, it close on that one, aren't there? Yeah. Well, I'm sure he's been working on this. So there's there's no plot details. But there's an interview in the volume two, issue three of Fangoria, where he inter- was interviewed by director Paul Thomas Anderson. And uh, he said that with Get Out and Us, and neither one am I going for the scariest movie of all time. I have one of those coming. So I'm hoping that that's what this is. Um, I don't know what else it would be. I mean, clearly something was already in the works. He must have already had a script in the works for them to set a 2022 release date. Mm -hmm. So which makes me think that whatever, if he didn't think Get Out or Us was the scariest effort, but he's going for the jugular here. Plus, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited regardless. Maybe he got all mad that Scott Derrickson was basically named the best horror director of the last (laughs) 10 years. No, I don't even think he cares about that, to be honest. I think he's a genuine horror fan, and he's got a lot on his plate. Like, in the meantime, we've got uh, Candyman set for theatrical release August 27th next year that he co-wrote and he produced. And then, obviously, they recently announced that he is producing a remake of Wes Craven's People Under the Stairs. He has got a lot on his plate and and you know i'm sure there's more seasons coming of uh lovecraft country which is also monkey paw yeah so he he's doing his own thing and uh yeah basically jordan peele and james wan james wan's world and we're just living it (laughs) i i'm okay with this i you know what i'm not gonna lie when i first heard the news about the remake of the people under the stairs i wasn't upset but it was just kind of like you know i would really love to have another original jordan peele movie so yeah the fact that we're we're going to be getting that like i'm super excited about that same see now i get that argument i totally understand that if somebody if they're upset at the idea of making a remake when you know that that director is completely capable of turning in like creating their own brilliance i get that but sometimes you do those projects to get the funding to Mm -hmm. do the original too exactly And, and the I, sentiment also isn't venomous. It's also not, oh, Jordan Peele sucks. Right. <laughs> no, he's really good. And that's why we want more. And I feel For like, real. honestly, the people under the stairs, it does fit that monkey, you know, monkey Paul world. So it does. This is exciting. Yes. Um, and then next, we have the Final Girls director taking on zombies with his new film. Uh, Todd Strauss Schulson is taking on zombie subgenre with STX Films, uh, tentatively titled action comedy, New York Will Eat You Alive. It is inspired... (laughs) Yeah, I like the title. I like it way better than the original working title, which is what the comic books it's based on. So this this is inspired and based on uh, characters created by Gia Haibo's comic Zombie Brother. Mm. So Zombie Brother is something that's been they've been working on the past couple of years. I think it's had a couple other directors attached, but 
Todd Strauss-Scholson has been attached since, I think, last year. Now Colin Firth is set to star. Um, the plot, at least of as of last year, is said to follow by as he teams up with his best friend, Fatty, soon-to-be fiancé, Beck, and a group of New Yorkers to survive a monster apocalypse. As they travel through the city, they uncover the origin of the outbreak and must embark on a quest to stop the apocalypse and save the world. So... I have no familiarity with Zombie Brother, the comic book. Um, the plot reads kind of like your your standard, you know, apocalyptic setting. But I like Colin Firth. I loved him in uh, Kingsman, mm-hmm. which I know they're going for kind of like an action horror here. And I really, really, really love The Final Girls. If you want like feel good horror, like The, the Final Girls is always a comfort watch for mm-hmm. me. So... Those two alone, it's like, all right, I'm I'm curious for for where this project's going. And then, last but not least, a quiet place is getting a third installment. Uh, oh, thank pop- God! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, two hasn't come out. <laughs> I know two is not, but two was supposed to have been out already. Yeah. If we weren't yeah. completely stalled by a pandemic, that was supposed to be out in March of this year, and has since been postponed to. April of next year because they're really holding on to the the theatrical release. Um, But in the meantime, while we're waiting on part two, Paramount hired Jeff Nichols, who directed Midnight Special and Take Shelter, to write and direct the third installment of the franchise. And that's set for release in 2022 in theaters. The storyline is not revealed, but it is based on an original idea by John Krasinski, who wrote and directed the first two movies. He's also producing this. So... There's, there's no plot details. We don't know anything about it other than they are greenlighting it. They have a name attached, um, and it's an original story set in the same universe. Like, it, I'm getting the speculation and, like, the idea that this is not going to be a direct sequel, sequel, which is probably for the better because I feel like after the first two movies, this family has probably been through the ringer and, and they need a break. So it's you probably, would say I that, mean, except that tv show 24 had like 10 seasons how many bad 24 yeah. hour periods can one guy have a, a lot a lot yeah. apparently but i Money, mean that's why yeah but but I, this makes sense you have a whole world ending kind of scenario there's a lot of other stories that can be told in that universe so we shall see i do like jeff nichols a lot so yeah lots of horror to look forward to all right, listeners, your turn. Are you excited for 2022 so we can finally get some more Jordan Peele? Are you going to skip A Quiet Place 2 and jump right to number three like I am? Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. Number's in the show notes, too. We'll play our favorite messages or me- message or messages at the top of next week's episode. Please limit yourself to one question or comment per call. That's why I didn't delve into why I'm going to need a little longer to give Lost another shot, as per one of our callers. And that's context that only I'm going to understand. Also, (laughs) as the show finds more listeners and we get more calls, I want to apologize in advance. We just can't play everyone's messages. Finally, if you're anything like us, you spend more than a little time streaming movies on Shutter, Netflix, Amazon, and all the other services out there, then you're going to need a little help. And that's what Xena's going to do right now. So what should we be watching, Xena? Okay, well, coming out on Tuesday the 10th, Sleepless Beauty on VOD. Held captive in a room, a young woman must remain awake at all times while enduring mental and physical abuse. Then, (laughs) on the 12th, on Thursday, hitting Shudder, lingering. Seeking support as a guardian of her young brother, a woman returns to a small hotel run by a family friend. As bizarre incidents creep up in her mother's old room, the woman will have to unravel the supernatural mystery and discover the truth before it's too late. That one sounds spicy. I plan on checking spicy. that. <laughs> we, have, we have to have a new rating system. How spicy is it? Like, I ordered Indian food last night, and they're like, how spicy do you want it? See, we need that for Xena. <laughs> I need Xena spicy. Tell them that. See oh, what they I don't know you. if I can handle Xena yeah, spicy. I don't know if you guys can handle it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. And then coming on uh, the 13th, Friday the 13th, Freaky will be available in theaters and I believe premium VOD. I believe. If not, if it's not, because I'm not sure on this one, it's, there is 
now like a three-week window. So okay. if it's not this week, give it three weeks if you don't feel safe going to the theaters and then look for it on premium VOD. Well said, Megan. A mystical ancient dagger causes a notorious serial killer to magically switch bodies with a 17-year-old girl. And then the last one we have, also coming out on Friday the 13th, it cuts deep on VOD. According to Dark Sky Films, this one is both horrifying and hilarious. Basically, it plays upon the fears of both parenthood and manhood in equal measure and flips the tables on the classic good guy versus the bad guy trope. And just in case, if you guys missed it and you, uh, for some reason, I don't know how, uh, we do have blood. <laughs> we do have Are blood you not listening to us, people? <laughs> because it's like, how? How do you not know? Uh, but okay, but just in case if you don't, we do have available Bloody Disgusting TV. It's available. You don't even have to decide what you want. Just cut it on and have a good time. There you go on and Roku. If you're lucky, you'll watch popcorn. Yeah. yeah. They have also, I saw today, it's like Evil Ed was playing. Oh, well, that's oh. so much fun. Don't be like me. Such a good idea. The other day, I, I, I felt like, oh, I watched everything. You know what I guys, you know what I watched? I watched the rap game, a reality show about these little kids who are rappers. And it ruined me because there was this boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is not even horror, but it's like, I'm horrified. This was like the second season because for some reason on Netflix, they only have the second season. And this boy, like, he's just like, yeah, I want to be a rapper. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he's competing. And he's like, like a really cool kid. Like, wow, you should be famous here. I'm thinking that he's going to make it. And guess what? He doesn't win. The kid who wins, he was slacking the whole season. And it's just like, that's a horror crushing little kids dreams. (laughs) So just watch Bloody Disgusting TV instead. So you don't end It'll up watching your life the, better, huh? the rap game. <laughs> yeah, you can cut that out. I, I, I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> just cut it so out. So I guess we just have to end the episode. That's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. I promise that I will start doing a better job checking those emails. Thank you to everyone who's already sent us messages and that I responded to just today. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody.